And so we decided that we needed to find another church. And Tom said, well, why don't we try our father again? And I went, you know, let's. So, and I can't, I think we probably came on a Sunday, but we are Saturday night people, but I don't re- I don't remember whether we came on a Saturday or Sunday. But we walked in and immediately that was home for us. Welcome to the Our Father Stories podcast where we share stories of ordinary people experiencing the kingdom of God in everyday life. I'm Nate Paragoy. I'm one of the pastors here at Our Father, where our mission is helping ordinary people know and share extraordinary life in Christ. That's what we're all about here in South Denver. And I'm joined by my friend and my co-host, Pastor Micah Steiner. Uh, It's good to have you. How are you doing today, bud? Well, I'm going to use an adjective to describe my feelings. It's it's a it's it's a kind of a cockamamie day. How's that? Well, it's an adjective used to describe something ridiculous, silly, or incredible, such as the intro of this podcast. So yeah, take it or leave it. Okay, um, I'll take it. All right, all right. Thank you. Uh, hey, uh, tell us about our guests on today's episode. Well, as always, two wonderful people. Well, sometimes I guess we have one. In this case, two. Tom and Mary, who have the unique experience of being members from the very beginning when our father started 50 years ago to then coming back several years later after moving away and experience the second part of the life of this congregation. They got a really unique perspective and we think you're going to enjoy hearing a little bit about the history of our father and their walk through life here at this place. Uh, You'll hear Tom talk about um, his um, recent cancer diagnosis and things that he's learned and things that he appreciates he didn't really uh, have a sense of before. So stick around to the end uh, for that part of our conversation, as well as a couple key takeaways from me and from Micah. I'm Mary Trotter. This is my husband, Tom. Um, We've been members of our Father Lutheran Church this time for five years. And many years ago, when they really at the beginning of our Father Lutheran Church, We were members probably for 15 or 20 years. I'm not sure, actually. Time has a way of doing that to us. (laughs) (laughs) Tom was born and raised an Episcopalian. I was born and raised a Lutheran. And that has never been a problem for us. Uh, When we first moved to Colorado, we went to uh, Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. Our father didn't exist at that time. And um, then we moved, and we decided we were going to look for a new church. And our boys were growing older, and we knew that we wanted them to be confirmed. And so what we, Tom said, well, I kind of would like them to be confirmed in the Episcopal Church. And I said, fine, then have at it. And he said, (laughs) well, actually, I think they could be Lutherans. (laughs) So uh, the boys ended up, and Pastor Hinchy ended up um, confirming both of our boys. But what I remember is, I don't know how we found our father, Lutheran Church. We there was no internet. There was no, I don't know what led us there, but of course we know who led us there. 
Um, and this is still in the the tavern days, right? You guys were there in the Greenwood Village nightclub. That's where it was. That's okay, because I didn't, I couldn't remember where it was. It was in the tavern. Yes, we went there a few times, and then when Pastor Hinchy really was a, a good soul, we really liked him a lot, and um, and then of course they built the God in the Sod Church, and and that's where our boys were confirmed, and that's where we did a lot of things, and then of course it was decided that they needed to move into bigger quarters. And um, I had the privilege of sitting on the building committee, which was a very interesting process. And I enjoyed that very much. And I remember the day we moved from the little church into the big church and putting pews in and not making them permanent because we didn't know whether we're going to. I mean, there were just and there were so many lovely people and so many people helping us do that. And it was just a. Just a wonderful community effort. Yeah. And, um, and we've seen pictures too of you all walking, marching down from, because God in the Saw was somewhere off of Quebec. Right. And walking down here to the permanent place where we're at now. And and the big celebration, balloons, there's pictures of balloons and kids. and Yes. Yeah. Can, like we, it, can we go back half just a, half a step? Uh, there are some terms that we've used over the last couple of minutes that maybe some of our listeners may not be familiar ah. with. So tavern, God in the sod. Uh-huh. So my understanding is that phase one, sort of the, when the church was first meeting, before it even had its own building, correct me if I'm wrong here, like downstairs of a nightclub in an office building or something like that? As far as yep. I remember, I don't yeah. I actually remember that. Um, but I remember being in a chair in a room that wasn't a church. Yeah. yeah. And the legend is that volunteers had to come in the morning and pick up all the peanut shells off the ground <laughs> and kind of clean up the space, set up the altar area. Sweet. Oh. sawdust. Yeah. yeah. Or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was like a true mission mission plant. All right. In Greenwood Village. Yeah. In, mm-hmm. Well, it, it, that's interesting. Um, so then God in the Sod was the next sort of... Oh, Physical and location, right? It was, and it was just off Quebec and um, Peakview Avenue, actually, that corner. And and I have since learned that the church owned that whole strip. And that, I mean, at that time, that was very valuable property mm-hmm. and good for them. I mean, I didn't realize it then, but um, but it allowed us then to find the piece that we are currently on and build this lovely church here. So, what does God in the sod mean? Is it like underground oh, or something like that? It was like just that? a space. It was, I wish, well, you, I wonder if they'll have pictures. We of do it. have a couple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll be well, putting them and up. And I don't know why, but it was just a basement. It, there was no, and it was kind of a, a lean, a leaning <laughs> thing. And, and there was nothing out there. People there, don't understand. No, it was no. like, it looks like Kansas. Yes. It looks like Eastern yes. Colorado. Like Lord Ingalls Wilder, like yes. on the prairie. That's exactly what it looks like. like underground. Yeah. There were kind of three pieces, and they've ended up being an office building, AT&T, and then there's a little strip center. And the church was in the middle. And the plan was, we'll build the basement, and we'll build it in such a way that we can just add on to it, I think. That sounds right, yeah. And then actually a friend of mine, a a college friend of mine, bought that land from the church. And the church wanted to rent back 
part of his building and so forth. So he met with Pastor Hinchy quite a few times. Oh, wow. And uh, that's where the money came from to build this building. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. Huh. Okay, so you guys were there. Uh, you, the, you saw you were there at the church plant, met at the tavern, transfer over to the current property, right. or God in the Sod, and then you also experienced from God in the Sod to this building. Yes, and we were here until 1994. And we um, decided we... Um, our boys had been raised by then, and we decided that we were going to move to Castle Rock. And that was seemed like so far away at the time. So, and Tom said, ah, maybe we could be Episcopalians. And I said, sure, why not? I mean, when you think about it, the Lutheran and the Episcopalian, they're not that different. There are differences, but they're not that different. Um, <clears throat> so we joined an Episcopal church there, and we were Episcopalians for 20-some years. And... Um, at 11 years ago, we moved back, I call it back into town from Castle Rock, and we live in Highlands Ranch now, and we had some issues with the Episcopal Church, shall we say. Their value systems were just different than ours. One of our values here is standing firm, and it sounds like I'm hearing you say, based on the way I'm reading the scriptures, I need to stand firm on the truth of what I believe. Yes, yeah. absolutely. They're preaching things that are contrary to God's word, and you guys go, I, I just can't. It, correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard. For me, it was more the political stance that they took. Okay, yeah. And I know you guys try to avoid that. You're very good at very it. Very good at yes. it. Yes. Yeah, thanks. It's hard, I mean, because we preach oh. about political things. Yeah. Right, right. sometimes the political beliefs of people butt heads with God's word, but... We will never tell you who to vote for. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not our job. We're not. Yeah. We're not here to tell you who to vote for. We're here to tell you what Jesus thinks about this world and you, and how we love our neighbor, but how we also um, stand up for what is true and right and good. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so we decided that we needed to find another church. Never occurred to me to even or Tom, I actually to even look, come back here. Pastor Hinchy was gone, and it was different, and why would we go back there? Mm -hmm. Let's Who are look. these two young guys? We were right. talking yeah. exactly. about earlier. Tom said, well, we didn't know these guys. <laughs> <laughs> so we decided, um, we went to the um, Methodist Church St. up the Andrews. street from St. Andrews, and we went there probably six or eight times, and yeah, it just wasn't doing anything. And then we started looking at Lutheran churches around our neighborhood, and they just weren't getting it for us. And Tom said, well, why don't we try our father again? And I went, you know, let's. So, and I can't, I think we probably came on a Sunday, but we are Saturday night people, but I don't, re I don't remember whether we came on a Saturday or Sunday. But we walked in and immediately that was home for us. And we've been here for about five years again. And I'm so glad we have come back here and have met you and new people. And there are a lot of people from the original days here too still. And yeah. it's quite amazing. 
And, so. and Tom, uh, just because I know he's going to want to hear it, you mentioned that Scott was preaching that day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't I, I don't know exactly what the sermon was. But, <laughs> but it was decent. But it was good. Yeah. It was good. And most of his since then have been very good. Yeah. But yeah. then we've also watched your progress in the... Oh, yeah. You guys came in. right when I was doing the vicar. Yes. Oh, yes. Man. In mm. fact, you taught our... Um, class, to our new member yeah, class. Yeah, yeah. I, that's where I remember getting to know you guys just a bit. Yeah, member thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, if you ever go back and listen to your first sermons, you just cringe. <laughs> oh, it's you just, you oh, just, yeah. oh, wow. someday, what, someday we're going to be doing that with this podcast. I know. By the yeah. way, <laughs> <laughs> what are we thinking? Oh. What are we doing? So when you said, uh, you know, first time back through the door, it felt like home. Why did it feel like home? Tell us about, about the, how that felt and looked. And... Well, I knew, I mean, I knew, I recognized everything in the, in the, in the sacristy. Or no, that's not sacristy, but is it? Narthex. That's the sanctuary. Narthex. Sanctuary. Yeah. Thank you. The building. The, in the building. <laughs> and although there are a lot of differences since, and, um, and yes, as, as you, Tom said Scott was made a huge impact on us. And then we saw some familiar faces, and that was even better. And it just is where we were meant to be. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we do take we do take seriously. We we say we want to be a family. Uh-huh. And it is harder the bigger a church gets to maintain that kind of family feel. And that is something that we we celebrate here a lot, that in the early days of this church, since the beginning, the, the church has, for many people, always been that type of place. It felt like home. We hear that all the time from, from folks mm. from old days till now. How do you think, how do we do that? You know, how, I, I don't know if you can articulate it better than a feeling, but was there any particular conversations that you had or was it the the ambiance of the room like what makes something a church a, a... you know the difference and I, I so I was talking to Tom about this earlier the difference and we used to have when we were originally here we had um we didn't have just bibles in the pews we had hymnals and we had in the Episcopal Church, they called it the prayer book, where you go through and you read and you, and you follow the service along. And when it was all up on the wall, I went, well, now that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, I mean, why? And, but now when, you know, Saturday evening after Saturday evening, it makes perfectly good sense why that's that way. Because you can change Sometimes you change the creed a little bit, and sometimes you change um, well, the creed for is the one I remember the most that you could. Sometimes the apostle, sometimes the Nicene. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yes, yeah. yes. Once a year, yeah. the Athanasian, right. if you will. Yes. Yeah. yeah, if you're lucky. Um, it's just a. It's. I. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm thinking, and not why. It just, and the people, the people. There are just the nicest people yeah. around. Well, I think that's the key. That's the the key. There is that the church is more than a building; it's more than a pastor. You know, we've mm-hmm. you just mentioned that you've we've gone from Pastor Don. Now there's new, and someday we're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And that it's the people 
and of course God's word and rightly proclaimed and t- taught and all that. So that's a that's a I think that's really cool that you guys have been original members and you had that sense. That theme has stayed the same for 50 years as we celebrate uh-huh. our 50th anniversary. That's really neat. Well, and I remember moving into this church. It was it was on a shoestring. I mean, it was financially difficult. And I I remember I had a friend uh, and his wife died and he was and they did not go to church but he wanted to have a church service. And we went to Pastor Hinchy and said, will you do it? And he said, you know, he could be a taskmaster. He said, uh, yes, I'll do it. But you guys have to clean up the church afterwards. <laughs> so after the service, I brought the vacuum cleaner from home and I'm vacuuming the whole time that the celebration is life, the celebration of life is going on downstairs, huh. and uh, so we got the church cleaned up for huh. no custodial help at that in those nope. days. <laughs> all all volunteers, not. yeah, yeah, that's things we take for granted, probably. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, I find it fascinating that when you returned, you didn't discover that our Father Lutheran Church was a completely different kind of church. No, I'm we, sure there were differences, but it wasn't like. This isn't our church anymore. It was oh. like this is the same church that we left. Uh-huh. No, twenty years or whatever it was later. Right. We had been in the Episcopal Church, and I like the tradition, and I still like the tradition. I don't like some of the other things, but I like the tradition. And this this church has a nice mix. And when we were looking around at other churches, you know, we went to. Oh, a lot of the big churches, and I mean, they're not even like church services. They're just a place to go listen to music, and and off you go. And if they get the Lord's Prayer in, boy, that's a good day. Yeah. And uh, it's not that way here. It's it's the tradition. I had an interesting experience when I was on sabbatical. We went to one of the shall not be named mega churches, and I liked it because I was anonymous. Because here, everybody knows me. And I, you can't really worship all the time because you're on, you're performing uh, Ooh, yeah. a duty, right? So I like to go there because I you just go in and nobody knew your name, whatever. But I started to notice I missed confession and absolution. Absolutely. Just, you miss the Lord's Prayer. Yep. Uh, you miss the, the the Apostles' Creed, things that we oftentimes can, can be wrote, admittedly. We sometimes don't think about what we're saying. Uh, but when you miss it for a while, all of a sudden you come back and you go, oh, this is a valuable part of our worship experience and it's very biblical and it's very ancient that's cool too in the benediction yeah but yeah, yeah yeah there's no question that that tradition in this church is very very meaningful to us yeah how is it meaningful to you tell us more about that well we talked about uh bible verses and so forth and i'm not a big i mean i i did read the bible but I didn't understand it. But I like the I like the tradition of just coming into the church and confessing sins, the absolution, as you say, the Lord's Prayer, the benediction. I mean, that's to me. And, you know, every so often you guys hit it on a sermon. <laughs> so and that's that's always helpful, you know, it keeps me awake. So <laughs> Mary doesn't have to 
elbow you as much? No, is that no, it? Yeah. no. Weren't well, you telling me, sorry, Mary, it, uh, that your favorite moments in the worship service are the absolution? Absolutely. I've never heard anybody say that to me, which I think is really yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, And the is. benediction. Do I yes, remember that, Tom? I love that. Yeah. He does. In fact, I have it right by my bedside. And he will not leave until the benediction has been said. <laughs> I mean, if we're in a hurry, he says, we're, we can't go yet. <laughs> That's neat, yeah. yeah. What about for you, Mary? It's, it's really the same for me. I, I mean, we always hold hands when we say the Lord's Prayer. And that it just is a connection between he and I and, and God. And it's important to me. I like having my sins forgiven because I know they're mm-hmm. they're there <laughs> and um it's gee and reading of the 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 lessons every Sunday there there's always something that you hit on of course but it makes such a difference you bring it to life for us and that's really, really important to me to understand. Yeah. It helps me understand. Good. You know, I have this kind of sense sometimes when I can feel myself becoming anxious. Uh, if I'm preaching on a weekend or something, um, I sometimes consciously tell myself, uh, well, hey, Nate, nobody's going to be thinking about your sermon about 30 seconds after you're done. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, that someday, uh, I'm not going to be here, which is a good thing in the sense that, um, though I want to be a pastor at our fatherless in church, as long as I, you know, possibly can, um, that I'm one man among many who has stood in that pulpit mm. and there will be, there were, there have been men before me and there will be those after me. And in that way, it kind of helps kind of level me a little bit so that I can remember it's not about Nate right now. It's about Jesus and what Jesus has been doing through men and women like me at our Father Lutheran Church for years and what he will continue to do long after I'm gone. We talk about that sometimes. Yeah, it's a humbling thing when you go, people don't even remember what you, what you, uh, what they had for breakfast, uh, let alone what you think is the most brilliant thing that you've ever said in your life. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And yet this is the power of the Holy Spirit is that Somehow God uses those words to change hearts and to motivate and to, I just think that's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, Well, I was talking to the two of you recently, and Tom, you were sharing with me that you have recently been diagnosed with cancer. Right. Tell us more about that. Um, This goes back probably 20 years, and I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And... Wasn't a problem for a long time, but the last couple of years, I've had a lot of inflammation. And so I've sort of been expecting this is sort of a natural result of that. And, but, so in September, they said, ah, you got kind of a spot here and we'll take a look at it and so forth. And uh, so I was sort of expecting it. But when they say you have cancer, it's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And of course, I'm thinking the worst, and we go through tests, and and uh, it's not as bad as, of course, what I was thinking. So, I had a phone call on a, I think it was on a Thursday, 
And the doctor said, you do have cancer. And I said, okay, uh, what do we do? And we're going to do some more tests and so forth, and we'll get this all figured out. Well, the next day, I went for a bike ride, which I do often, and uh, had a short conversation with God, which we've talked about a little bit. I had one a conversation with him about 10 or 12 years ago. And the result of both of those were that God's providing options for people. He doesn't provide decisions. That's what he said. And uh, so that's what he told me about my cancer is that uh, you have options. And of course, I'm thinking, you know, life and death. Those mm -hmm. are my options. And that's not at all what he meant, but I didn't know it at the time. I think he can he can be sort of a prankster at times too. <laughs> He's not all serious. So we're talking about your doctor or about God. God. <laughs> no, the doctor's serious. <laughs> um so a few days later, uh, Mary and I met with a couple of other doctors and the decisions that I had to make were not at all the decisions that I thought I had to make. And they were, uh, he, he made it easy for me. And yes, I had options, but the, but the path forward was very clear. Hmm. And, uh, and it was sort of like he was, you know, would you just trust me? Hmm. Uh, and I do, but sometimes I forget. And uh, he said, "Hi, I got you. I got your back." That's cool. Yeah, yeah. how how does a How does a personal relationship with Jesus change the way you face something like cancer? Well, it may. I mean, it's it makes it possible to face it. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know how anybody that doesn't have a relationship could face that or face death. Mm. I mean, I just, it's just beyond me. But what about you, Mary? Uh, so you are watching Tom get the diagnosis. What's going through your heart? And Well, you know, I have a, and I, Tom too, we both had a tendency to go to pretty dark place. And when you go there, <clears throat> You have to kind of figure out, now look, <laughs> it's time. Where, where, where is your faith? Where, who do you trust? And um, so you put your hands together and you start praying. Mm -hmm. And you have to, you have, to have that, that faith. I, I'm with Tom. I don't know how you can get through life without faith. It, it's beyond me, but um, it's it. Our faith is has actually, I think, strengthened through the years, become much Question. much stronger as we've been together and grown up together and all those good <laughs> things. But um, it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. So I wonder if you could go back and tell a younger version of yourself anything, uh, what would it be? And what advice would you give to yourself if you knew what you know now? Um, 
what, what would you say? For me, it's just the paying attention. I mean, just, you know, I was so busy working and, uh, you know, trying to make a buck and bring the kids up. And well, you guys have been through all this. You have a little different perspective on it than I did. But um, to me, that's it. What would you pay attention to that you pay attention to God and how he's working and what he's doing and how it affects you and what you can accomplish through him and just the whole the whole thing. So that is a that's an important distinction because I constantly am up against a culture that wants me to worry about myself and do what's best for me. And sometimes that means you have to ignore God because what's best for me is not necessarily what God wants for me. Because uh, you can try to avoid and make your life as comfortable as you possibly can and take and take and take and take. I'm hearing you say that you, you know what that feels like, but if you would tell your younger self, you, you would pay more attention to what God has to say than what your own heart might be putting you towards. Yeah, I think that that probably would be the outcome. That would be the result of it. Yeah, but I think it, yeah, I think it's the, just pay attention. Uh, all I have to do is call on him. He's there. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, you know, he's busy. <laughs> it's me that's busy. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Mary? What would you tell your younger version of yourself? Probably pr pretty close to that, too. I find that as I have age, that I value walking and walking by myself rather than with anyone else because I talk to God, I pray at that time, and it's just, and then you look around and you see what he has created, and it's pretty remarkable. And boy, when you glance at those mountains and you see a little bit of snow on them now, amazing, just amazing. Uh, well, Tom and Mary, it's been so good to sit down with you. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Thank for, you having for having us. It's been fun. What a great conversation with Tom and Mary. Micah, as you are thinking back over what you heard, what jumps out at you? I love the conversation Tom shared with us about his cancer diagnosis, the the first reaction he had is a very common one for us when we hear bad news. We can doubt, we can be frustrated with God, we can wonder what he's up to. But do you notice what he did next? The very first thing is like he goes to God in prayer. So he doesn't completely reject God. He says, God, let's have the conversation. And through that, and through some time, and I think we heard him say coming to worship, he had conversation with you. Uh, God worked on his heart and prepared him for this. And now he's looking back post-diagnosis with a whole new outlook. In fact, he said his faith is even stronger now than it was before. And I think that's a pretty practical thing for us to think about as we go through our own struggles in life. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, for me, the thing that I appreciated was to hear them reflect on their time before and after and notice what was different and what was still the same, uh, that this still felt like home, yeah, as cool. you observed a moment ago. Um, and... Uh, it reminds me of sometimes the way that we have described uh, the culture of a church and what its identity is. I think it's easy for all of us to join a church 
uh, because we like something about the place, the building, uh, the people, uh, other people who go there, uh, the um, programs, that is to say the ministries, or um, some of the personalities, uh, the pastors and the people who work there who aren't pastors too. And we get it easy to be drawn to a church for any one of those reasons. We call those provisions, and they're all good things. Uh, the problem with uh, staying at a church for those reasons is that those things often change, right or wrong. Uh, it's just kind of natural in the life of a church. And so I like to say that it's one thing to be drawn to a church for the reason. It's a different reason altogether to stay at a church for that reason. What I mean by that is to say, um, on a good day, a healthy church doesn't say, we are a church because we have a great worship service, or we have a great kids ministry, or our pastor is a really great preacher, uh, but I'm really drawn, and I want to stick around here or come back, perhaps uh, in Tom and Mary's case, whether they knew it or not, because there's a vision in it that creates a culture of a church that goes beyond any one of those provisions that change. Uh, for us, it's spiritual formation that leads to geographic saturation. That's a roundabout way of saying we want you, as you're listening to this, to be encouraged and formed and shaped and grow as a disciple. Uh, as you gather in worship, as you open God's word, as you live God's mission, that's how that happens. Uh, for the end result, that you can make a difference wherever God has put you in that physical location, in your vocations as, uh, as a friend, as a neighbor, in your workplace, uh, in your family, in your home. And so that formation starts with you and that overflows into the, all the places where God has put you every single day. So I was really struck by um, kind of how we talk about church and why we're drawn to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that is a pretty good place to stop. Why don't you give us our tagline that I can't remember at the moment? Uh, for more stories just like this yeah. one, go to ourfatherlutheran.net slash stories. That's the one. Yeah.